You're listening to Experiential Experts by Impact XM. Tune in for insights on how to empower your brand with virtual and in-person events and start making an impact today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Experiential Experts. Lori, how are you today? I'm doing great. Doing really well. It's a great time of the year in, in Washington, D.C., and um, you know the weather is it's a little chilly out. It's not like it is in your neck of the woods in Texas. Yes, Texas is nice. We're suffering through a you know 75 degree winter right now, so it's really tough. But Lori, I am really excited to introduce our guest today, Eric McKenney. Eric is the VP Executive Creative Director at Impact XM. We know him well. Yes, we do. For the two years that Eric has been here, he has led the evolution of the agency's creative team across the live, digital, and hybrid landscape. Prior to Impact XM, he spent 20 years creating experiential marketing campaigns for some of the industry's top agencies on behalf of dozens of Fortune 500 companies. So I know I feel that Impact is really lucky to have the talent that Eric brings to the team. I have loved working with you, Eric, and I'm really excited to pick your brain today because I'm very curious most of the time what is going on up there. <laughs> well, we thanks all are. For the, <laughs> thank you very much for the nice intro and nice words. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to, to talk a little bit about the creative process and how we can help others create uh, amazing experiences. Awesome. Let's jump right in. So, Eric, tell us, where's the start in the creative process? What's the start or what's the key to getting off on the right foot? Uh, the most important thing, without a doubt, regardless of whatever the project is, is the creative brief. It's the foundation for everything we do. It's, it's our starting point, but it's also our, let's call it point of reflection as we're developing uh, any kind of creative deliverables to go back to make sure we're on the right path. How important do you feel it is for the client to participate in that creative brief process? I know that for us, a lot of times we are have we have our meetings with our clients and then we go through, we pick their brain, we get the information and we just fill it out ourselves and turn it into our creative department. But how critical do you think it is for them to participate in that? I think it's essential. And, and that may sound like overstating it a little bit. Um, who puts the information into the document is less important than, you know, who's providing the information. And um, the way I've – one of the best descriptions I've ever heard for describing a creative brief is it is a contract between the client and the agency of here's what we want to accomplish. Here's the information you need to, to do your development. And then that becomes kind of the anchor as we go forward and, de and develop that work. It's equally important as you review the work because uh, one of the biggest challenges all clients and, and creatives face is just how do you eliminate subjectivity out uh, when you're reviewing ideas, how do you truly make sure that you're doing what's best for the brand and the audience that they're trying to get? And a great creative brief kind of is a tiebreaker or the benchmark that you look back to to ensure that whatever you've developed is delivering upon what the ask is. Well, what key elements do you need from a client to better understand their brand? To understand their brand can be a, a number of different things. I think Doing guidelines, everyone typically will provide those, and they're very helpful, especially from a design aesthetic standpoint, you know, making sure the logo, you have the right logo and the right fonts and all that. 
Ideally, what you're getting, though, is a brand architecture. So a, a greater understanding of what the brand is about, uh, the po points of differentiation for any of their products, any history, any key messaging that they want to communicate. Uh, we, as creatives, there's always this, there's a natural trait of curiosity. So whatever we get, we're still going to go online and so on your, on the social media feeds and whatever resources we have to deep dive and find as much information as possible. But from an efficiency standpoint, the more we can be provided in the upfront that helps us understand the brand and what makes it truly unique, the better results you're going to get in the end. One thing that I find that is often missing from a creative brief is a budget. And I'm just curious from your perspective, Eric, how important is a budget to have in mind when you start? Well, there's there's two points of it. Initially, when they say, don't worry about the budget, just create, it sounds like a great, amazing thing and super exciting. However, after doing this for 20-some years, uh, I, there's always the inevitable conclusion to that when you come back with some amazing, extravagant idea that is outside their scope of the budget. Uh, so it is a crucial thing. And, you know, we creatives aren't always known for their pragmatism, but I do think it's, a, it's an important piece to understand what parameters we're working uh, within. There's a, a phrase that sticks with me a lot of called be brilliant inside the box. And that's a challenge we have as a marketing agency. There are parameters that we need to create within, whether that's a physical environment or space or whether that's a budget um, or whatever that can be. So understanding what that budget is, is absolutely important in order to make sure whatever we're creating can work uh, within the client's limits. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the challenges today and something we're running into quite a lot is that, you know, during the height of the pandemic, a lot of cancel cancellation of events occurred. Uh, finally, when the events are rescheduled, uh, the previous budget isn't quite covering what was originally proposed. So I know we've been spending some time on value engineering, and I say that in quotations, to work um, back into the original budget. I know that can be challenging. Um, are you, you think you're running into that a lot as well? I mean, from what I'm seeing, it, it seems to be the norm. Yeah, I, you know, the old saying of uh, necessity is the mother of invention uh, has never applied <laughs> more than it has over the last kind of two years. No but uh, I, I have more conversations about supply chain than any creative should really have, but it does impact what we do. It's all because of the supply chain. It's like, wait, how does that even affect this? So yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and all of these things kind of drive, you know, timing, budgets, uh, supply chain issues, all of that are, are all things that we're try trying to consider on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, in some cases, it's finding a different way to execute our vision by utilizing different materials or adapting, uh, you know, scaling down a larger experience based on budget. Uh, we've also been doing a lot uh, with rental inventory, you know, because we have the inventory and, you know, it can be lower cost. So in some, I, I equate it to playing with Legos, you know, it's the same set of blocks, but you can put them around and use different colors and still make a really cool uh, environment out of it. What do you think the ideal timeline is for a client to begin the creative process? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Six, eight months? No. Uh <laughs> It depends on the project. I mean, it, to be quite honest, if you're, you know, trying to develop a 
user summit for thousands upon thousands of people and you have hundreds of different touch points within that, obviously you need a much longer planning cycle to make that happen. Um, something smaller, a, a, a trade show exhibit, something like that, you know, we can do in a couple of weeks. But I would say bare minimum, just from a creative process, this doesn't uh, include then transitioning into budgeting and, you know, value engineering and all those kind of components. But ideally, at least we have two weeks, three weeks for creative development, even on our smaller scale projects, it's going to lead to more work. Well, and that's where your creative brief really comes in. The more information we get up front, the more efficient you and your team can be with your time so that we're not designing something that's totally beyond budget or doesn't speak to the audience the way it should. All of these things really tie together. Yeah, and it's a really great point because especially with short turnaround times, the more detailed, more accurate or creative brief, the, the higher likelihood of success that we would have. A lot of times our clients have in mind a uh, their digital and print media advertising that they have within their brand and trying to move that over to experiential or transfer that thought process to the experiential creative is obviously a different approach. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, I think there's probably two different answers to that. I think from a, let's call it the briefing standpoint, uh, it's just different touch points and different objectives to some degree too, because this is where the audience understanding becomes very important in this because whether it's advertising, whether it's digital, whether it's experiential, whatever, they're all forms of communication. Um, but understanding the role of the communication in each one of those channels and how that specific audience, what they're looking for in the different channels uh, is really crucial. So when we go back to the creative brief, that's where audience insight and research and that kind of information becomes very important as we translate to a specific channel. We've seen that a lot especially in experiential now, getting back to more live events, the expectation um, or desires of what people are prioritizing are a little bit different than pre-pandemic. You know, it's, it's not just about education and information because we've learned we can get that virtually. That human connection, that face-to-face -face interaction, that ne networking, peer learning, all those kind of things – we're always important, but it would become even more important because that's what we've been missing. On the other side of things, there is with the, with advertising and digital and other communications, there's where clients may want to integrate that into experiential. You know, it's, you know, we want to run our ad, you know, in the booth or something of that nature. And there are times where that makes sense. Doesn't always translate well, though. Yeah, exactly. You know, you also have to take into consideration of, you know, it's very different, a captive audience sitting in front of the screen like we are now and an ads running versus you're in a conference and you're surrounded by thousands of people. There's a lot of ambient noise and there's a lot to see and do. Uh, what I always try and go back to the, the best way of simplifying things is not necessarily trying to say, okay, I want this specific tactic or this specific element, but what's the problem you're trying to solve or what, what is the objective you're trying to accomplish? And then 
we can collaborate with our clients to find the best solution. And it may be existing assets they have. It may be repurposing content they have. It may be creating new content. But if we focus on, you know, what's the problem, the problem or the objective, we can figure out the solution versus trying to say, here's the solution, so to speak, just figure out how to shoehorn it into the experience. So I think, you know, a lot of organizations have their own creative teams, um, internal creative departments. I mean, why would you recommend that they allow an experiential agency um, start with the design and the strategy? I, I think it depends uh, on what your internal resources are from a client standpoint. Uh, we work with a lot of uh, existing clients of ours that have internal creative teams and a lot of times that creative team is, is responsible for developing more advertising communications or uh, things that fall outside of the range of experiential. And it's always great getting their insight because they know the brand better than anyone, and not just from uh, an understanding standpoint, but from a visual communication standpoint. Where it's important, especially when you get into more of the environmental design aspect of things and the architectural development, very few clients that we work with and in general have that in-house expertise. And, you know, it's very easy to create a, a three-dimensional environment when you don't have to consider, you know, how does that wall stand up and how do we, you know, move people through the space and how do we do it within a budget and all of these kind of elements that people, you know, architects and environmental designers on my team, that that's what they live and breathe. So I think having the internal creative team is, is honestly great from my perspective, because to me, very much, you know, like yourselves as account directors work directly day to day with a client. It gives us kind of a counterpoint within the organization. And as you guys know, we speak our own language sometimes with this stuff. So it's, it's good to have that. <laughs> Never. No, <laughs> but okay. it is, it's good. It, it can be a really beneficial collaborative relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the collaboration because nobody knows their own brand better than the client, but you know, an agency like Impact brings the um, ability to actually take those ideas and take that brand and turn it into something in real life. You know, so that collaboration between the expert of the brand being the client and then the expert of the creative team that Impact has is where you really can come in and make a splash. Yeah, definitely. And, and like you said, the, the client... No one knows their brand better than them, especially, you know, internal creative teams, because a lot of times they're involved in shaping and developing that brand. And on the flip side, you know, no one knows creating experiences, environments better than we do, because, uh, you know, our team has been immersed in that at an individual level for, you know, anywhere from five years to 35 years, you know, so um, we're able to take those key learnings and best practices across hundreds, if not thousands of experiences and environments we've created and apply that to a client-specific brand and specific challenge. I think a challenge that I see your team having, you have to really like decide when you're jumping into a design concept, what you think this client wants to see. That's a big challenge. Like 
what I guess I'm curious what your biggest pet peeve or frustration is when you're starting the process, because you're taking a whole lot of information and a whole lot that you don't know and trying to turn it into something. My pet peeve and kind of what you're talking about there is is actually two different things. My biggest pet peeve is having no information, uh, which unfortunately does happen sometimes because that's the biggest challenge because either you're searching for that information yourself or you know you're you're making it up on the fly which is never never good spot to start from a lot of times just to interject our clients don't know what they don't know so and we don't know what they don't know so it's it takes some time to work through that process and and build that creative brief where you may not have it initially there's an idea or a, a very rough concept that needs a lot of fleshing out yeah, and I think um, you know, I think the other piece of it is, I think the the phrase you used, Holly, of you know, creating something the client likes, and I go back to the term of subjectivity. And in yes, we want our client to like our work, but our driving force behind it is really you know the understanding we have of the of the brand and what they want to communicate, what they want to accomplish. And the understanding of the audience and, you know, what they're looking for. Because I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make is not considering your end user and end audience in the in the process and just purely being driven by what you want to accomplish as a, as a brand. So from our perspective, our job that, that drives us to getting that solution, so long as we're getting a firm understanding of their brand and we understand their audience, that's ultimately what's going to drive it. And that's how we can get to the, the solutions, uh, get to good solutions with a, with a great deal of consistency. But it is, after you've been doing it for so long, you, you just kind of take it for granted, but you do kind of, there's times where if I take a step back and I'm like, yeah, we're just getting words on a page and all of a sudden, you know, a couple of weeks later, that's some big design and thought through experience and all with, you know, a million different details to it. It's, it's really cool that, that that's able to happen. Um, but yeah, it's. And then to see it come to life. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's why I've been in this business as long as I have is that's the part that I love. You know, I, I don't think I could ever go into advertising, you know, yes, you get to, you know, watch focus groups, respond to, you know, whatever ads uh, or content you create. There's just something great about being there live and getting to see, how, you know, whether you're able to inspire people, whether you're able to connect people with the environment, whether you're able to, you know, aid them in, in discovering information that they want, whatever the outcome is, that to me is the, still the best part of the job is getting to see that live and in person. Well, that's a great note to end on. Thanks, Eric, for your time today. And before we log off, we want to play a quick game with you so that our listeners can get to know a little more about Eric McKinney. Sounds great. Keep it PG rated, just FYI. Is that G or PG? Well, PG. Okay. <laughs> PG 13 might be okay. Okay, so I'm going to give you a word or a question, and you're going to answer in the first word that comes to mind. Okay. All right, we'll start out easy for you. Impact XM. Evolving. Your celebrity crush. Salma Hayek. Oh, don't tell your wife. She knows. <laughs> Oh, she does. Okay, that's your hall hers pass. Is, hers is Jason Momoa. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, that's okay. That's one. her hall pass. And then Selma is your hall pass. Okay. Got it. Good to know. Your favorite drink? Jameson. What do you think of when you hear the word trade show? Room for improvement. What about the word experience? It's what life's all about. What is your dream job? This one? Good answer. What is your most prized possession? I would say it's a painting I have. So it's a paint, and you guys have seen it probably in the in my office when I'm video conferencing from there. It's a painting of Albert Einstein, and the quote on, uh, that goes over top is, um, imagination is more important than knowledge. And it was actually custom painted for me by a um, painter who studied under, under Warhol. So it's a pop oh, art style painting fantastic. and it's painted with phosphorus paint. So actually it absorbs light and at night it actually glows. So oh, wow. I would say that's probably. probably Next time we're on at night, which is often these days, I would like you to turn your lights off so that I can see it actually glowing. <laughs> so you can see a glowing Albert <laughs> right. Einstein. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, we've got two more. What do you think of when you hear 2020? Randomly vision popped into my head of just like 2020 vision. But um, I know with the context of which you're asking it, probably I would love to forget it. (laughs) Everybody would. What is even 2021, if you were being honest? I think one thing I would think with 2020 in all seriousness is a silver lining to it was... The time I got to spend with my kid that I absolutely wouldn't have otherwise, um, that is because he was line. there all the time. Um, I was there all the time. There were obviously challenges with that, but such a cool age. It was like, you know, while it was the terrible twos, it was such a cool developmental age. So, um, while 2020 was extremely tough and very difficult, I am very grateful for that opportunity I wouldn't have had otherwise. I think we all are. I think you're right. That is the silver lining. And if we can pinpoint anything that was uh, that came out of it that was positive, that's definitely one thing. Absolutely. Okay. To end today's podcast, Eric, you get one word for the future. Unpredictable. I've stopped trying to guess what's going to happen in the future after the last two years. I think you have to to stay sane right now. Just go with yeah, it. It really is. My quote of my quote of twenty twenty one. I think Lori's heard me say this before: "Is happiness is life without expectations." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that couldn't be truer. Actually, <laughs> well, listen. Thanks so much for for joining us today, Eric. We really appreciate your time, and we don't get to usually talk to you like this. We're usually shouting orders and then you're shouting back at us. So it's, it's a very, it's a big positive to be able to spend this quality time with That's you. That's just and- me, Lori. Holly and I have a completely <laughs> different communication. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Ask him with please, thank yous. I <laughs> oh, me too. At least six weeks to return something. So I brought him with and now we're going a little too far. <laughs> or, excuse me, Steak and Jameson. Good. <laughs> that was noted, by the way. Hey. Really fun today, Eric. Really appreciate your time. And we're going to go ahead and pencil you in for a future episode as well i look forward to it next time i get to ask you guys questions that's a deal thanks everyone for joining us today and tune in next time uh, for another episode of the experiential experts